The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. We can bring to birth a new world from the ashes of the old. This is a line from the great labor anthem, Solidarity Forever. I fully agree that the only chance for human survival, and that of many other species with whom we share this earth, is to create a new social order, now literally from the ashes of the old. But after selecting the title and theme of this sermon, I began to have some misgivings about the analogy to birthing. I'm not changing the theme, but I must own my own choices and acknowledge some deficiencies. Yes, conception, pregnancy, birth, and child-rearing, with all their perils and miracles, with all their sorrows and joys, are the natural process by which humans are created and nurtured into adulthood, whether we like it or not. And analogous birthing process is necessary to create a new society not based on the greed, denial, and cruelty of capitalism. And our efforts to bypass the difficulty it will take for this social rebirth to take place means we have yet to commit fully to the necessity of it. Yet especially in light of the reversal of Roe v. Wade, it is not my intent to advocate, glorify, or sanctify participation in birth, forced or voluntary, to exclude those who are not physically capable of it, to criticize those who, for many good reasons, choose not to participate, or to support sacrifices from those who can that are not extended to others. Like almost all language choices, the theme reflects my personal experience. I am the biological mother of two children who were conceived voluntarily, not necessarily fully planned, but still definitely wanted. I was lucky enough to have easy, healthy pregnancies. I actually enjoyed being pregnant. Though the birth of my second child, whose 29th birthday is today, happy birthday, Daniel Reif, <laughs> it did require medical intervention. That could have cost both our lives had it not been available. Raising them sure wasn't easy. But my only lasting regrets are for my own mistakes as a parent. My children and grandchildren are a daily reminder that I have already given birth to a new world out of the ashes of the one I grew up in. Indeed, having children was for me a leap of faith that life is worth living and a positive future is possible. However, I should add that under different circumstances, 
I chose abortion and feel a very strong need to say that openly and publicly in solidarity with all who have had or are seeking abortion. And in memory of my mother, who had hidden an illegal abortion so well that I only found out about it after her death. So, please take lightly the pun underlying the theme. In our own lives, we have our private joys and sorrows. But as we look around us, we see death and despair. The human experiment threatened by climate disasters, pandemics, wars, extreme wealth inequality, forced migration, shortages of needed goods and services, and fatally inequitable treatment based on identities that would inspire no negative impact in a just world. Many of us fear we are past the point of no return, but every person who organizes has taken a leap of faith in possibility, not unlike that of willing parents. But assuming we have such faith, how do we birth a new world out of the ashes of the old? Like all wanted births, it must start with desire, content, and uh, consent, excuse me, and ability. We cannot partner with those who are not willing. Luckily, an increasing number of people agree a new world is necessary and even possible. A new and fertile generation of activists is stepping forward, mostly young, but not always, eager to give birth to a new world and defying those who say they can't. Conception is not enough, though. Birth requires gestation. We are pregnant with a new world, with all the perils that implies. Thus, we must keep building power through to that final push of labor, and then to guide us as new parents to keep breaking with the abuses of the old world that raised us. The young have the most obvious stake in birthing this new world, but we who are more likely to die before the existing order completely crashes and burns also have a stake that of leaving a legacy for our children and grandchildren different than the ones we inherited. Right now, I see our society as divided into three basic groups. A very tiny minority that has virtually free reign to make decisions for all of us. A fairly large minority that agrees with the worst of these decisions but receives almost no practical benefit from them, and a majority who wants better, healthier decisions. What should we, the majority, do? We can vote, and we should, but usually for candidates whose views, commitment, or abilities 
fall short of our needs and desires. We can demonstrate, and we should, but too often our complaints go unseen and unheard. We can post on social media if you want, and that may help organizing to an extent, but virtual protest has little impact on governments and corporations, is easily used against us, and frequently devolves into internal battles fueled by frustrated self-righteousness and by people paid to stir up disputes to divide us. We can change our own personal lifestyle choices, and that may be a good thing, but without concerted action, it can be largely performative virtue signaling, rightfully resented by those who have fewer options. Maybe we could leave, but where is there to hide? Our problems are global. I'm not entirely opposed to these actions. Some I recommend, and I do many of them myself. They may help a little and buy us more time, but they also can divert us from dealing with the root problem, living in a system designed to give us the illusion of power at best, and not even that for most people. Support for unions in our country has increased dramatically in the past few years to 71% in a Gallup poll, a high not seen since the 1950s, even though a lot of the labor movement has been, well, may I say uh, post-menopausal for quite a long time. <laughs> Given that, why are so many people becoming enthusiastic about unions? Organizing at Amazon, at Starbucks, at big box retail chains, at tech firms, rebuilding union militancy in schools and hospitals. Because what is lacking for those who want humanity to survive into a world grounded in compassion and cooperation is, in a single word, power. As individuals, we are right to feel powerless. We can gain power only if we combine forces with others. Building power through leveraging our labor is what unions were created to do. We only have one real source of power. We are the majority and everything comes to a screaming halt without us. The pandemic has helped more of us recognize that a lot of work is truly essential to the well-being of all and ought to be honored with high compensation, respect, and gratitude. While much is unnecessary, meaningless, or harmful, and serves only corporate profit. And if we can get by without doing it, so much the better. Labor organizes based on the one power most of us have, but none of us have alone, the ability to confront injustice by withholding our labor or by using it only for our own collective good. As our initial song said, 
When in union what we will can be accomplished still, drops of water turn a mill, singly none, singly none. Continuing to use today's birth analogy, unfortunately, I saw many miscarriages and stillbirths, a good deal of infant and maternal mortality, and not much evidence throughout my many years serving the labor movement directly that my work could eventually contribute to birthing the new world I so desire. People do regularly rise up and fight for this new world, as many are doing now. But victories without transformational shifts seldom last for long. Our opponents have used their power far more effectively than we have used ours. However, we are now at an existential turning point. Thus, the evidence of union revival and support is extremely encouraging. Yes, the birthing process is always messy and painful, and a positive outcome is never guaranteed. But without it, a new world cannot be born. To continue acquiescing to death without risking birth is to give up on the human experiment altogether. As Unitarian Universalists, do we place our faith in the power of the people? If not, then in what else? And maybe why bother? I continue to celebrate and build the power of organized labor because this is my faith, that by bringing otherwise diverse groups of people together, by building our own organizations and political vehicles not beholden to capital, to using the collective power of our work against our common enemies and for our common benefit, that we will birth a new world from the ashes of the old. May it be so, and happy Labor Day. Thank you. I'll be quite honest. I don't have much experience with labor unions. My jobs usually involve my clown character, Poindexter, and theater arts. No clown unions to speak of. Oh, plenty of groups and organizations, but alas, no clown union. And of course, the circus, perhaps fittingly as we knew it, has passed away. At least there's other modern troops who don't use and abuse animals. Perhaps the closest I ever came to working in a fair and equitable theatrical environment came when I was only 16 and run away from home to New York City. Some of the cast of Broadway's Jesus Christ Superstar had a sort of sideshow at the St. Clement's Church Theater, a midnight fantasy musical called The King's Crown for adults, if accompanied by children. I and my best friend repaired their lighting board, and I was offered the position of head lighting dude. The gate, or box office, was split evenly 16 ways. I thought this was really fair and equitable, and I quietly celebrated my arrival off, off, off Broadway. That these professional actors were doing art for art's sake made a huge impression on me. I was smitten by the theater and, of course, clowning around. 
In spite of shared lodging and taking a job at a small grocery store just to survive, I felt that New York City was my oyster. Had I stuck with my New York plans, I may have eventually joined the Actors' Equity Union, or perhaps IATSE, the Stagehands Union, but instead I returned home to my parents and studied for and got my GED. My father, a college botany professor at Penn State, sometimes complained of the lack of a professor's union. University politics were extremely complex, and there was little solidarity amongst the staff. I personally saw my father's career get hijacked by Penn State after he and 11 other professors came out vocally against proposed underground nuclear testing using abandoned Pennsylvania coal mines. They were successful in shutting down this foolhardy proposal, but 11 of 12 professors there lost their jobs, including my father. As I see it, if there had been a clown's union, my Poindexter character would have been first in line. But alas, I was often the only bozo on the bus, so independent. Still amongst fellow street performers and artists in general, there is a respectful camaraderie which echoes the best intentions of the union spirit. Mm -hmm.